I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, Coach Tim McComb. Jazz win, 126-111 over the Detroit Pistons. Coach McComb, uh, Jazz needed this one. Had a couple of uh, tough games, back-to-back losses where they weren't very competitive. And uh, tonight they bounced back and uh, beat up on a Pistons team. And, you know, we were alluding to it there in crosstalk, but uh, Coach Hardy getting on his guys a little bit after those that uh, those losses. Definitely played much more sound tonight. And I think it was uh, obviously in a film session or two. Uh, showing where there's disparity between what he's teaching and and what's being done out there. I saw. I told you the other night. I saw some things in transition. I didn't feel like he'd be very happy about the way guys got back. Um, so really, it was kind of a return to the basics, and it just coincided with them playing a Detroit team that's certainly not playing great this year uh, in any respect, and not a lot of depth. So it was great for the Jazz to be able to then kind of take those things back out to the court, have some success. Um, and beat a team that they had lost to here in Salt Lake. So kind of even that se- season series and, uh, I guess, check off the Pistons for the year. Lowry Markinen tonight, Coach. 38 points, tying a career high. 13 of 20 from the field, 9 of 13 from three. Nine makes from three is a career high. He had five rebounds and assists and a steal, but just seemed like everything was dropping for him tonight. Man, is is he? does he have a smooth game or what? Yeah, it was just crazy to me. I mean, the efficiency, you know, and the way with the ease with which he scores, but it was kind of like tonight, even as the ball was in the air, it was almost as though he was already catching it and shooting it. It just looked so smooth, and he had it going. He had it going from the start. Um, he kind of left a little bit on the table. You talked about that in the postgame last night, 22 in the first half, uh, two in the second. Um, but but tonight he, he took full advantage. He led his team. I thought he had a different look in his eye, and uh, it was nice to see him have a great night. Man, he he was great, and uh, he, he really is establishing himself as uh, this team's best player and kind of making that all-star push, I guess, now that we're coming to the end of December and the all-star game here in Salt Lake. Is only what uh, man less than two months away, right? Um, maybe we can start having that convo. NBA All Star voting is open, and maybe Lowry can make a little bit of a push. Yeah, let's let's vote. Um, if you're out there, take some minute to get it set up, and you can vote. But I think he's he deserves it. I've I've, I've been really impressed. He came into a new situation, kind of uncertain. Nobody really knew what they were getting into, but he threw his whole heart into it, um, and he's been awesome. Uh, night like tonight. Second time this year he scored 38 points, which matches, uh, which is his career high now. 
but his um, his his temperament too. He doesn't get too high or low. Uh, always seems seems to keep his eye on the prize. He's an all star. Ryan Smith just tweeted that out. I, I retweeted it. So. Uh, that's out there. Let's make sure we get this kid to the, the All-Star game. 21 points tonight for Jordan Clarkson on 7 of 15 shooting. Jared Vanderbilt had a game tonight. 18 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals. As Vanderbilt was just fantastic. Walker Kessler with 10 points and 9 boards. He also picked up a couple of block shots. Malik Beasley we heard his walk-off interview with Locke. Uh, 17 points on 7 of 15 shooting, 3 of 9 from 3. And as we found out from Malik... Three makes is not enough to satisfy Malik Beasley. Got to get at least five. Yeah, I like that the five's the number. It makes sense to me because he, I, I said to you the other night, man, he's in that five, six, seven range more than than I remember most guys being. So he, he definitely challenges himself to a high standard. For the Pistons, they were led by Jaden Ivey, who was very good tonight. 30 points, 10 of 14, shooting two of two from three, eight, 11, eight of 11. Uh, from the line, he also had four boards, five assists, and a steal. But, uh, you know, he had six turnovers, which you don't love. But, man, is uh, he looks like he's going to be really good. The turnover thing is going to be his downside because he, he plays at that Westbrook-type speed. But this kid really does know the score. I like the way that he, he impacts the game. Um, I, th- I think there's stardom in this kid's future. He's got unbelievably athletic, um, you know, instincts, and he, he can – Really change the game with his with his firepower. So I like him a lot. Uh, let's see elsewhere for the uh, the Pistons tonight. Boyan Bogdanovich had 15 on five of 13 shooting. Uh, let's see Duran had 15 to go along with 14 rebounds. Marvin Bagley had 10 coming off the bench. As did Alec Burks, who had 10 points on three of five shooting, one of three from three, three of four from the line. And uh, this Detroit team. It's not a great team, but they do have a couple of pieces. I, I wonder, and um, you and I talked about this, you actually have uh, followed Marvin Bagley's career for a long, long time, recruited, oh, what would you say, you recruited one of his teammates. Yeah, AAU teammates. And so you watched him a lot uh, coming up through, and I, I wonder, you know, it didn't work out with Kings, another in kind of a long line of, of high draft picks that didn't necessarily work out with Kings. I wonder if he can get a, a, a fresh start and be a productive NBA player with a young team like Detroit. We've we've seen it. Um, you know, the the perfect example is Wiggins. I mean, pe- people had written Wiggins off, uh, and he went to Golden State and made a huge impact later in his. You know, after learning some lessons, that might be the case for Bagley. I know uh, a little bit of the knock is he's just a little bit mentally immature in terms of uh, his mindset. You know, more being about himself. I think it's kind of how he's been. You know, the get the people have been around him been more uh, interested in that. So I think. It's breaking that a little bit, but um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to watch him. I saw him in the eighth grade. The other guy in this game, Isaiah Stewart, I uh, recruited a teammate of his as well, so I saw him at a young age. And Stewart, there was no doubt in my mind when I saw him. That's an NBA. That's an NBA center. Right? That's a guy. Yeah, that's a guy. That is a guy. There's zero question. Well, with Marvin, I mean, honestly, it's not his fault who he was drafted in front of, and I would think that. Uh, you know, I hope for his sake that he overcomes that and doesn't let that bog down his career. And maybe he doesn't turn into an all-star, but it doesn't mean he can't be around the league, you know, for 10 or 12 years. Yeah, no, it's – yeah, exactly. And be functional part of something. Um, but I'm telling you, you get a guy like that in the right mix. You know, he is big. He is long. Uh, he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So if you could get him the ideal role on a 
sound team, you know, maybe he finds some success. He'll be around for sure for, for a while. I think he's that talented. Well, I do think this was an important win for the Jazz to to stop the negative momentum, remind themselves that are, they are certainly a good team. And, you know, I guess avenge an earlier loss that they really shouldn't have had. But the Jazz right now is presently constituted are a much better team than Detroit. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and it's almost, in a way, losing that game kind of baffled me when the Jazz lost to the Pistons. But things have a way of working themselves out. And maybe that was a little teeny bit of edge, too, you know, going out into a – they had the Jazz attention. You could tell that from the start. This was not one that the Jazz went out there and took lightly, which you might on an eight-win team if they hadn't beat you before. No, I don't think the Jazz took anything about this game lightly. Nope. They were they were business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the uh, with the coach and the message he was sending going into uh, to this game. But the Jazz shot the ball much better. They were fifty point five percent from the field, forty three and a half percent from three, twenty of uh, of forty six. Uh, for the Pistons tonight, they shot well, too, 50.6% from the field, but not as well from three, nine of 25 for just 36%. But, uh, man, anytime the Jazz shoot over 50% from the field, Coach, and certainly over 40% from three, they have a ch- it's a pretty good chance it's going to be a good night, let alone Larry Markinen, who was nine of 13 from three. I don't know if we've seen a game that good in a long time from three from anybody, and that's a career high and makes for him. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely – that's – Big time thing. So uh, I I just wanted to go back to the one piece of the the elite piece of this team. They do a great job of not letting teams shoot threes against them. I mean, your example tonight, we keep going through these numbers, you know, and uh, 25 threes tonight for, you know, the Pistons aren't going to shoot a ton. uh, But the Jazz did a good job of limiting that, and I see that constantly on night-in-night basis. It's a good way to win a game, uh, limit teams' threes. Uh, Jazz had 27 assists tonight on 47 made field goals, was to, uh, was much better than 19, of course, uh, when they share the ball. I think uh, we're in agreement that uh, they seem to play much better uh, when they do. I thought Booner's uh, joke about Taylor Horton Tucker was funny, but, you know, never looking up at the basket. But I think that is a priority with this team that uh, they're going to move and they're going to play team ball. Yeah, the, the one thing that at times the team can, with a lot of freedom, uh, there's a lot of responsibility and sometimes – you know, guys probably get a little big for what they're – but they have some success, so they, you know, as a coach, you kind of let it go. But when things get really tight, you get back to the basic principles, and that's what makes us good is we're going to move the ball. It's not going to stop, and we're not going to ISO all the time. This is not an ISO team. So that's no. you know, that's the objective. They want to get the ball moving. Got to mention uh, Mike Conley had seven assists tonight, but his uh, shooting woes continue, just seven points on three of seven shooting – one of five from three and zero oh for one from the line. So our guy Mike Smith's prediction Ew. that uh, he was going to have a big night score in the basketball. Man, he's just got to work out of that a little bit. I mean, he's still Mike Conley. I have no doubt that those numbers and those things, you know, are going to come back to the mean. But just not shooting the ball well thus far this year. Yeah, the shot was definitely not there as much. Um, and you know, with seven attempts tonight, I don't know how much he's actually out there looking for it too. You know yeah. what I mean? But in that third quarter into the fourth quarter when the Jazz kind of pulled away. It was Mike Conley's thumbprint all over it. All right, let's hear from Coach Hardy. At least I get through this press conference. <laughs> That's a great team win, second night of a back-to-back, three and four. Um, a lot of different guys contributed. Obviously, Lowry had an amazing game for us, uh, really pushed us uh, to kind of blow up in the lead, but... I thought that the way that Mike and Jordan played, making decisions, moving the ball, was uh, tremendous. I thought Vando 
sparked us with his energy, moved the ball great tonight. Uh, Walker had some big plays on the interior. I thought our bench showed up, played very well tonight. So a good bounce back for us after two rough games. I thought that game looked and felt a lot more like the team that, that you guys have you know, gotten to know so far this year. Ball moving around, uh, guys really, really competing on both ends. Um, you know, we do have moments where we're imperfect still, but I thought that our competitiveness really showed through. Um, the team made a great adjustment by telling me not to do any more zone in the second half. Uh, they committed to playing man-to-man defense at a very high level in the second half, and I think that was a big part of the reason why we were able to win the game. I actually wanted to ask about that. It looked like the zone, I think, was working the way it was supposed to, but you guys just weren't getting kind of ahead in that Mm -hmm. moment. Did you like what you saw out of it? And then, to your point, why did they not want to play the zone? Uh, They didn't give me any reasons. We have been going back and forth between some man and some zone. um, And I thought, for the most part, our guys were competing and communicating and you know, credit to Detroit, they made some tough shots. Ivy hit some tough shots against the zone, some runners and some pull-ups, and we had a couple moments where our rotations weren't great and gave up some threes. But I thought for the most part it changed the rhythm of how Detroit was playing offense, which was the, the biggest thing that we were going for. And at halftime, uh, I came in and just asked the team if they or if they wanted to go man, and they very quickly had clearly... They had clearly already had the conversation amongst themselves because they said man in like under a second. So um, I think that's great for them to take ownership of of what they're most comfortable in as well. And I thought that, you know, they they did take ownership on that end and our physicality and intensity and communication on the defensive end in the second half was very good. How often does something like that happen where you go and you kind of just ask them what they would prefer? There's definitely times where, as a coaching staff, we have we have things that we want to do and we have reasons for it, and we'll explain that to the team. And there's also moments where it is good for them to take ownership because they're seeing and feeling the game from a completely different perspective than we are. And some things to us may look simple and clean because I'm standing on the sideline, I'm standing still, and... I'm not chasing anybody around and nobody's banging into me and I'm not tired. So sometimes there's things that that seem simpler than they are. And so there's always a conversation, a constant dialogue going on with the team throughout the game about what they're seeing and feeling. And we do that in timeouts and dead balls. But um, there are moments where you need to ask the team what they're most comfortable in because while I thought that the zone was taking some of the rhythm out of the game for Detroit, they were having some success against it. And so, you know, I have to, in those moments, have enough self-awareness to know that it's not working perfectly. And if they start to lose belief in the zone, they might not be competing as hard in it or be flying around as much if they're not totally sold on it in that moment. And their conviction to want to go man was a really easy decision for us as a staff and that okay you guys want to play man like go show us and they did a great job so credit to them lowry obviously the standout skill you know coach all right there you go that's jazz head coach will hardy interesting stuff there about uh consulting his team about what type of defense to play they prefer man yeah and i'd like that there's that kind of level of trust and communication um you know as when I first got into coaching, that would be unheard of, you know, for 
someone to, hey, coach, I can make a suggestion. But as my career went on, I mean, it became more collaborative. And, and I think that's where a perfect environment exists because we collaborate on most, most everything. Why not that? So awesome to hear that. Um, Coach Hardy seems relieved. Nice to have a win under his belt on a really tough road trip. And uh, it was no gimme tonight. The Jazz really fought hard and played well together. He's got to be pleased. Yeah, I'm guessing Big Rick wasn't into the whole collaboration you know, thing. You know, what did you say? You know, to collaborate, you know. <laughs> Get out there I'll and collaborate play. Collaborate on, you know, a pizza with you. But, you know, <laughs> ball screens are non-negotiable. Jazz win tonight, 126-111 to over the Detroit Pistons. Uh, for that, uh, with that, we'll say goodnight to our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way Thursday night. The Jazz are back home, taking on Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and the Wizards. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have some player sound for you, and we'll continue to get Coach Lacombe's thoughts on the Jazz win over the Pistons. You are listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Shaping a game plan for your family's health care involves more than just ex- Sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe, postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com. Jazz win going away tonight over the Pistons, 126 to 111, led by uh, Laurie Markkinen's tie career high for 38 points in his career high, nine makes from three, nine of 13 as uh, the Jazz put a hurting tonight on uh, on the Pistons. And they needed, Coach Lacombe, feel like they needed an offensive output like, uh, like this one. I don't know if we want to call this a great defensive game per se, but they went out there and, uh, and really scored that basketball. That's been kind of the thing that's lacking. Obviously, the Length, as we talked ad nauseum about the length of both teams they played, Milwaukee and Cleveland. Road games are hard anyway, but um, I'm telling you, those teams are they are kind of out there in front with those long guys and a lot of pressure. So uh, Jazz fought through that tonight. You're right. They needed to have a big offensive night. They did a, uh, They did just that. Um, the second-best offensive rating for the year, 1-3-3 tonight. Um, really impressive. The turnover number is great. The Jazz really kept turnovers down. And that's a mental thing. I think you turn over the excess in turnovers comes at nights when you're not really focused, you know, where you'd get the ball poked away. You're not paying attention. Um, that's where that number kind of gets out of hand. So they tightened that up, uh, did a great job on the offensive glass, kept Detroit kind of at bay on the glass and, you know, had a great outcome. Speaking of on the glass, Ooh. it's time for the master of the glass brought to you by safe light auto glass proud to present this year's master of the glass rebound program at the end of the regular season, SafeLight will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Tonight, Master of the Glass, Jared Vanderbilt, who had a great game. He had 13 rebounds today, uh, tonight to go along with his eight points and six assists for uh, Vando. Uh, four of those uh, 13 rebounds, Coach, coming on the offensive side. Uh, let's see, runner-up tonight is Walker Kessler, who had nine rebounds as he continues to play very well now that he's in the starting lineup. But how about Vanderbilt? What a game for him. 18 on 7 of 13 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 13 rebounds. he got to love the six assists. He was awesome. Uh, first play of the game, he ended up with the corner three, hit the backboard. I mean, excuse me, hit the, the back of the rim, straight up, hit the DraftKings logo on the top of the backboard, came down, nothing but net. That's how the game started. So you kind of knew it was going to be a night. Do you think for him. He, he said, I meant to do that? As well, he no, I think what he said was, 
All right. I think tonight's going to be a good night. And it was. He was great. It was an amazing night. He, and when, you know what? And he's great when his energy is up and he's able to go get those offensive rebounds and that defensive rebound number is awesome for him. Uh, we see great things with him when he's got a ton of energy. Well, that was something we said uh, the Jazz lacked the last couple of games is uh, is that energy, and uh, they had it tonight through Vanderbilt. Who are we throwing to, Jamil? Uh, let's go down uh, back to Detroit and Walker Kessler. That's a new role. Yeah, you know, it's been going well. Um, I think that my teammates and coaches have done a great job of helping me. You know, obviously I'm a rookie. I've got a lot to learn, but um, helping me and giving me confidence, you know, even in that starting role to, to do what I do. One of the things that's impressed me is your resilience. Like you might have a play where you get dunked on or you get a basket against you and then you come back and get a block. How are you so resilient within the game? I think that for someone who is a shot blocker, you have to have a short memory. You know, you can't let one play determine and deter, you know, your aggressiveness to block the ball in later plays. So just try not to let it bother you. For me, I don't like, you know, you dunked on me one play, I dunk on you one play, I get a block one play, you score. It's just it's part of the game, you know. I mean, there's they're unbelievable players, so they're going to score, they're going to finish over the top of you, but just being able to keep playing and keep being aggressive. Last question. I thought you had something really important tonight. You had 3,000 in the first half. You didn't foul again until late in the fourth quarter. How important was that to learn on the go and, and stay out of foul trouble? I think, you know, I have to learn how to be impactful and be aggressive without, you know, being in foul trouble. So understanding, you know, to get there earlier, to be in position earlier, so I'm not out of position or turning, um, stuff like that, you know, just trying to learn on the fly because it's a lot, you know, it is a lot, especially for, you know, a new guy. So understanding that with the fouls and stuff, there's, there's a chance to learn. And for me, that's kind of what I've taken the most out of it. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Ooh. That is Walker Kessler tonight, 10 points, nine rebounds, two block shots, as he continues to be great. Another start for him, another good game. Yeah, I'm kind of distracted by Alema and Mike over your shoulder there by the chimney with care. Um, well, they've got the stockings and everything. They look wonderful. Anyway, it looks like they're just like hanging out uh, in the living room. So I think they've got what they've gone for, which is what I'm saying. Nailing it. Poinsettias and everything right there. Yeah. Kessler, what what a, what a star we're watching, kind of to Mike Smith's credit. So he's an all-star. He'll be an all-star uh, multiple times probably with what we see, his ability to impact the game. And he's just, as he said right there, learning, growing, understanding what's a foul, what's not a foul, um, kind of the crafty parts of the game. And you made an astute observation. We talked We talk a lot off the air, but you said – you know, watching Kessler rebound tonight, you know, adding that bulk, you know, will definitely help him over the next couple of years, holding him, being able to hold guys off. It's a, it's a physical rugby match down there. Uh, and so just to be able to stand a guy up here and there, that will be really good for him. So watch as he develops his strength, you know, he's going to become a much better defensive rebounder. He has the timing with the, the shot blocks. He's obviously not afraid of it. He talked about that a little bit uh, right there with Holly. If he just gets a little bit more pushy, I guess, on the rebounding, I mean, he's already on his way to being a, a really fine, fine player. I, I bet we'd see him start more than we don't going forward. But, of course, when Kelly Olenek comes back, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but I but I agree with you. Every rep he gets right now is money in the bank. Um, he made a play tonight, to your point about pushing it, kind of kind of forcing things. He, he got that pass on a pick and roll from Mike, went up and dunked that thing really hard, you know. Um, and he, he did it over a guy. So he's now starting to say, oh, I can do, okay, I can do that now. It's just add to your repertoire. And then the next time you do it, it's not the first. 
Postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru in the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some. Share your own. MySubaruWiz.com. Jazz win tonight 126-111 to 111 over the Detroit Pistons. We'll get to more player sound coming up next. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share MarkMillerSubaru.com. Uh, Jazz win tonight. Uh, they beat the Pistons one twenty six to one eleven. Uh, Coach, let's get a look at the Chick Fil A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick Fil A earn rewards with the Chick Fil A One app tonight. From the line, the Jazz were uh, twelve of nineteen. The Pistons were twenty of twenty seven. Uh, the Jazz uh, didn't shoot a ton of foul shots tonight, Coach. In fact, Markkinen, who had thirty eight points. And uh, really was aggressive offensively. Only went to the line four times, three of four from the line. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was four of six in his 21 points. But Jazz really did it uh, red-hot shooting from the field. Yeah, it was 48% of their shots came from three. Um, So you take all those kind of opportunities to get fouled. And then, um, you know, a lot of times the Jazz tonight drove the ball to kick it. And that opened things up. But did a good job of just making the right play. Coach Hardy would be really proud. Uh yeah. Well, isn't he? What is he? Uh, what's the the saying he's always given us? Uh, taking, taking what the game gives you. That's right. If, you, if the game tells you to shoot it, shoot it. If the game tells you to pass it, pass it. Seems like he uh, talks about that a lot with uh, Jordan Clarkson, uh, in particular, who's we've talked about it a lot. Is kind of trying to evolve his game into more of a playmaking type game tonight. He had twenty one points on seven of fifteen shooting, three of seven from three, but he had six assists. Three rebounds, did have a couple of turnovers, but five of those six assists, too, in the first half. And, man, I, I still don't think you can say enough about Jordan Clarkson and what he's doing for the team this year. Yeah, and I think his ball handling, his decision-making, his playmaking, that's really been what's kind of that and that stuff and in place of shot selection issues. You know, he's definitely more mindful in his approach. Um, he's definitely more you know, getting guys shots and understanding that his role's a little bit dual. Um, but he's he's had an amazing season. I've really enjoyed watching Jordan to this point, and he's done a great job of leading guys too. 
And I think there's a reason that, uh, you know, you hear the talk out there about roster moves and trades and things like that, and really all you're hearing about Jordan Clarkson is how the Jazz want to do everything possible to keep him. So we'll see if that ends up happening, but, man, he's a pleasure to watch play basketball. In fact, let's go back to Detroit. It's time to hear from the man himself. Here is Jordan Clarkson. So quickly. Uh, I think we just did a good job breaking the paint. Mike got me uh, some open looks. Uh, had to knock some shots down for him tonight. Yeah, I think, you know, we're just moving the ball, getting in the paint, and uh, got the ball popping early, and uh, we just made shots. Coach's big message before the game was to move the ball. 27 assists, what feels better and flows better with the offense when it moves like that? Uh, just everything. Shots that we get, quality of the shots. Uh, we played the top two defenses the last two games. Uh, you know, respectfully. You know, they, they did what they did offensively, but I mean, we struggled a little bit against them, but Tonight, um, just focusing on that, emphasizing the, moving the ball and getting in the paint and knocking down shots when we open. I think that's what we really emphasized on uh, workforce. It's hard on a back-to-back, especially coming off games against two really good defenses. How important was it to get this win on a back-to-back night when you could? Uh, really big, long flight. Uh, good to, you know, go back home with a win. and uh, That's really it. Just for the morale, you know, losing two games in a row like that. Uh, we don't want to question ourselves. I think we didn't. We came in the film room um, early this morning, talked about what we needed to do, and then, you know, we executed tonight. You know, more than anything, uh, it was just a big win. All-star voting opened up today. I have said publicly, if you're not an all-star, we riot in the streets of Salt Lake. Um, wh- what do you think about your team? Who should be an all-star? Uh, Larry, for sure. I mean, you know, for me. Uh, I don't play for any of that, you know, um, but if it happens, it happens. I appreciate the, you know, the respect, the, you know, acknowledgement and everything, but um, I'm out here just trying to get wins, trying to help this team uh, keep continue to build culture around, you know, the organization and, uh, you know, keep, uh, continue to win. Thank you. Yep. All right, there's Jordan Clarkson. And uh, Jordan tonight was very good, 21 points, 7 of 15, shooting 3 of 7 from 3, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, he grabbed a steal as well. Uh, Holly Rowe, very, very passionate about Jordan Clarkson's candidacy for the All-Star game. All-Star voting now open. Well, uh, we should mention that again. I think Lowry Markinen is probably the most likely candidate to be an All-Star from this Jazz team. But, uh, man, I, I don't know if Jordan Clarkson would get the acknowledgement, but I sure am impressed with, with uh, what he's done this year. No, I, I totally am. I have so much respect for his, you know, stepping back and saying, hey, here's where my game is, and I need to maybe make an adjustment here or there, obviously with the new coaching staff and new philosophy, having to tweak it. But he's done it seamlessly. He looks as though he's been playing point guard his whole life. Um, and tonight he had that amazing dunk that, you know, don't ever really think he's going to go up there and dunk it, and he dunks it very hard. But he drove through the lane, through the uh, from the left side to the right side, and kind of cuffed it back and dunked it. Um, he, he's got more athletic ability than you think, too. I, but I just love the guy that is Jordan Clarkson. I think that's uh, I think that's a great observation by you. He's got way more athletic ability than he presents with his vibe. He's kind of got this low key, laid back thing going. But yeah, you're right when. When he's determined to get to the rim or determined to make a shot or determined to dunk it, he's going to do it, and he has the athleticism absolutely to do so. Yeah, there's that. They, they end, they're ended the broadcast or close to it, but that was that was a, a 
really nice play. But I just thought, again, it's easy for Jordan to be good uh, when he drives it like he did tonight and, you know, gives it up to guys and then in return is on the recipient of penetration and kicks. And, you know, I'll go back to what Kelly Lennox said. They mic'd him up for a second, and I think it's always interesting to hear what the players say What because what they say is probably what they hear all the time. But you hear break the paint a lot, and you hear, um, you know, inside out. But there's a big thing about getting those threes inside out as opposed to just dribbling into them. And the Jazz found a good you know, really good rhythm offensively tonight. I'd say. And uh, Lowry Markinen was obviously a big part of that tonight with 38 points, tying his career high, career high and three-pointers made of 9 of 13. And uh, by the way, Lowry, and this stat, who am I giving this credit to? Uh, somebody uh, out there. Oh, Calvin from SLC Dunk uh, had this first, or at least that I saw. Uh, he uh, Lowry hit nine threes tonight. And he is uh, one of only three Jazz players. Well, he is now the third Jazz player to hit nine or more threes in a game. Care to take a stab at the other two? I know the answer. Do you? Have you seen it out there? I saw her. Uh, Can I guess, though, and make myself look smart? Jamil Hawkins. It, no, it might man. be Jamil. Might Donovan be, Mitchell. It's Donovan Mitchell. And the guy that was in the game tonight? Boyan Bogdanovich. Which is amazing just how many more threes... Uh, that are being taken in the NBA game today. You, you know, you think of style like that. You think of the great three-point shooters in jazz history, and certainly Bogdanovich, Mitchell, and now Markinen are, are right there. But you would have thought Kyle Korver, Mehmet Okur, even Jeff Hornacek, John Stockton. But they, you know what? When when those players were on the Jazz, uh, for the most part, I mean, players weren't taking nine threes, let alone making nine threes. Can you imagine Jerry dealing with a guy taking nine threes? Oh, no. Wouldn't happen. No, 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 I mean, no. they were taking nine threes for the game. Yes, nine, absolutely. Nine, ten, right? It was kind of there. Somewhere in that neighborhood. I remember where they, the Jazz got up in the teens uh, attempts-wise when yeah, Jerry was the coach. And, frisky. and everybody was thinking, whoa, hey, whoa, let's not get crazy. The Jazz took 46 threes tonight. They made 20 of 46 from three, which is just wild. It, it's Yeah, it's crazy because we kind of sat – We've been on the the back end, but it's definitely Curry brought this to the league, right? His his use of the three point shot, the the opening up of the three point shot in transition, because that used to be the biggest no no. There's no way that you would work so hard defensively and race the ball up and shoot it just to get back on defense. I mean, through the years, that was not something that's been preached. So that's a major change in the game in the direction of the game. I give the Warriors credit, really, in general, not just Steph. I mean, the way that they employed the three as such a weapon, and then, you know, all the math nerds, three is more than two, and things just change. And I'm thinking a lot of it has to do with spacing. I mean, I think uh, it it was not that long ago that the Jazz were starting Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, which we would never even think about that uh, today. I mean, is there even a team left in the league that starts two true bigs? Mobley and Jared Allen. That might be the closest, but I mean, even Mobley. Jared Allen a true big? Would yes, call, but I would. Mobley too, yeah, 6'11". Probably Mobley too, although Mobley's a little bit more versatile than that. But okay, we can we can throw that Let's into the conversation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but is is that the only one we can think of, truly? And Mobley's certainly more versatile than Derek Favors was when the, the Jazz were trying to do that. Although, to give Derek credit, he moved his range out a bit when he was asked to do that. But, I mean, it's just not how the game's played. Space, take threes, 
and then let your guys who can do the dribble penetration and get into the lane do their business without having to run into a bunch of trees in there. Exactly. Um, totally, totally different game. Uh, it's funny to watch those old films. You know, the old – you pull up the old Jazz Bulls finals. It is a street fight. Oh, yeah. All right down there in the lane. There's not a whole lot of space. It's, it's a street fight. And, um, man, th- those were – those are magic days around this place. It would be so fun if, you know, through this rebuild, they get themselves back there. Just different world. It was magic, man. Yep. Seriously. All right. We'll have uh, more coming up right around the corner. Post game is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. Jazz win tonight over the Pistons, 126-111. to 111. You are listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. The outcome is in the books. Let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Postgame brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. At MarkMillerSubaru.com. We also want to remind you about the Utah Jazz Most Valuable Educators Program presented by Instructure, makers of Canvas. Throughout the regular season, the Jazz and Instructure will recognize 14 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from a Jazz Bear, $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, and tickets to see a Jazz game in a suite. Go to UtahJazz.com slash MVE to nominate your favorite educator right now. Uh, Jazz beat the Pistons uh, 126 to 111 behind 38 points from Lowry Markinen, 13 of 20 shooting, 9 of 13 from three. Remarkable coach. Um, an extraordinarily efficient 38 points. I can't get over that. Career high for him, nine three pointers made, 9 of 13. And man, did he just have it going. He is the number one on this team. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it's happened organically. It's the best way. Um, I remember. You know, my experience, kind of a guy coming on the scene was uh, we had Jimmer that first year, and we didn't even start him one game. Um, it's actually Ben Murdoch's birthday today. Ben Murdoch was the starting point guard in front of, of Jimmer that entire year. Now, of course, runs the, the Murdoch dealerships uh, or helps do that. So happy birthday, Ben. Um, like that family, the Murdochs. The best, seriously. Uh, anyway, so Jimmer comes on the scene, and, you know, it's just kind of little by little, but he just kind of starts – Pouring it in, pouring it in. His junior year, we go to Arizona. In the moment, we go to McHale. We win by, you know, the largest margin in the history of McHale, 30-plus. And Jimmer leaves there with 37. And, like, there's no doubt, you know, amongst all our guys, we're, we all got, we're all players, but that's the number one guy. And it kind of happened that way. And I, I suppose it's something that has to happen somewhat naturally on a team. I mean, you tell me. Uh, coach, if you put a team together like the Jazz, and maybe maybe coaches uh, anticipated him being the number one on this team coming into the season or something, but that's that's got to be something. I guess I, you alluded to that with your your Jimmer story, but that's something that's got to kind of sift itself out, right? No question. And everybody, you know, there's there's an, kind of an unseen buy-in from everybody, and the way you read that, you know, from the distance is you watch body language. Um, is there buy-in in this team? How do you guys respond to criticism? Is there buy-in? How do you guys you know, respond when a coach takes them out of the game? 
Um, there's all sorts of things you can watch, but that, that kind of gives you that buy-in level. Um, everything my eyes tell me with this team is, is totally bought in. Um, and even tonight, you hear Beasley in the end, he's talking about Lowry. Um, and JC's talking about Lowry. And, I mean, these guys understand he's the number one guy, and they want, you know, they want representation. So this is a team that's all together, and they say Lowry's he deserves it. The guy, we've all played great, but uh, he's raised his game, like, remarkably. And, uh, you, you know, you got to really be impressed with what he's doing. Well, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson is more athletic than you'd think. I'd say the same thing about Lowry Markkinen. And plus, he's got that uh, that unicorn body going where he's 6'11", 7 feet and, and long, but can move, can stay in front of guys, can play on the perimeter, obviously can shoot, uh, can handle the ball uh, better than I certainly anticipated before he got here. And he's got that all-around modern game we're talking about in the last segment, kind of the throwbacks to the street fights and that sort of thing. Well, Lowry's really tailored to where the game has come. Oh, yeah. He's completely – I mean, even to the point when we were in the break, I looked up the final box from the 1998 Bulls-Jazz uh, championship game. Both teams took 10 threes that, that night uh, or afternoon. It was afternoon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, or excuse me, the Bulls were four for ten, the Jazz two for ten. But that was it. That's, That's all you amazing. got from three. And then the other funny stat I saw in speaking of, you know, how stars approach it, Michael Jordan's usage rate, I've never seen 55.1. I don't think I've ever even heard <laughs> of a number dude. that high. Like I saw that. And I was like, wait a second. Am I wow. Because right? I, I can get my columns mixed up. You know, I'm kind of like that but this one is straight down. Well, and in that particular stat, a couple of percentage points is actually huge. And so if most of your high-usage players in the NBA are right around the low 30s, like low 30 is 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 a high usage rate, and the difference between, say, 32 and 28 is huge, right? Oh, so yeah, So the difference between 30 and 50 is cataclysmic. I don't – he had the ball the whole game. Well, I mean, that's what it and felt they, like. And they win, right? And they yeah. won. Yeah. But just totally interesting because there are some things like that. That tells a very clear tale. Sure does. That we didn't really understand back then. But now we kind of have the, the the ability to kind of decipher it. And, yeah, he had the ball a lot. That's a good, very good observation. But you know what? When the, the title is on the line and Michael Jordan's on your team, I guess what, you know, what would you do? Um, I probably, from what I know, and what I knew then, I'd put in his hands. Compare that right now. Lowry Markkinen's usage rate for the season for the Jazz, 23.6. Oh. He's doing all this on that. Just just a quick uh, aside, as long as we're talking about the The Bulls were so far ahead of their time when it came to big, long, rangy players. You know why the Jazz had such a t- tough time and why Jordan probably had such a high usage rate? Is, well, if you're the Jazz with that team, Stockton, Hornacek, Brian Russell... How are you going to match up against Jordan Pippen and Harper? Ron like, Harper. Where where do you hide Stockton? Exactly. Where do you hide Hornacek? Hornacek was only six four, and Jordan probably had him by twenty pounds. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me like Stock guarded uh, Pippen a lot. Pippen a lot, right? And he's given up eight inches to mm-hmm. Scotty. But that tells you a little bit. I mean, that tells you Stock. You know, Pippen wasn't going to go post up hardly ever. So. The Jazz didn't really have to fear that as much because you you think about Scotty in the post he he would just kind of he'd be there for a minute and then he'd break down. He was way better with his face facing up, but 
that's where stock could kind of handle his first step. But just interesting to think back through all that stuff. It is interesting. And matchups and, and things like that. But, you know, not many teams were six six or taller across their entire lineup. No, you're exactly right. They We talked about length in the pregame a yeah. lot. And that's a great observation because, like, freakish, freak, freakish, freakish, where do I live in Utah County? Freakish. Freakishly long. It matters. It makes a difference. Yes, and it, it did, does, it man. Did and, back and then. We see it. We see it all the more now. But yeah, they were they were ahead of the curve, big time. And I wonder, you know, looking back to Cleveland, you've got six one six one for your guard line, but then you look at the their front line, and everybody's huge and long, and they found out a way to make uh, make a really uh, uh, a stout defensive club, which I think uh, makes them really really good. But. You know, we'll we'll see what this Pistons team can do. But I think the Jazz, I mean, getting back to Lowry Markinen, I think one thing that makes him uh, elite is his size and his length and his adaptability. Well, that and his, like, yeah, exactly, his ability. I was just going to say his ability to play the three is kind of the hidden gem in this whole trade. Because if he's kind of developing as a number one for now, but is, you know, team first. But I'm telling you, you put a seven-footer at three and you got a lot to work with. You know, you could got a lot to work around. And you start to see a guy like Walker Kessler pop up. He, those are those guys are signed through a couple of years. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this all develops. But they, they got some really good pieces in the moves this summer. Yep. And for now, they have a number one who's playing like it. 38 points for Lowry Markin in tonight. 13 of 20 shooting, 9 of 13. And uh, as we've talked about, Jordan Clarkson with a great game tonight, too, with uh, 21 points. How about Malik Beasley uh, coming in off the bench? Uh, he wasn't happy. He only made three threes tonight, but he was a plus 20 in the plus minus. He had 17, 7 of 15 shooting, and uh, we were talking about it. He had some nice moments where he would go to the basket. We were talking about he and Jordan Clarkson maybe taking turns a little bit, penetrating and, and making something happen there. He has such a, you know, as great shooters do, he has a short memory. Um, he's coming off a one for a game. And you hate those. Unfortunately, he's had a handful of those this year. So, you know, he kind of goes through a period and then he'll have one. But he's always bounced out of it. And to make three to me is great. Uh, I know he wanted to make five. But Beasley's a a gunslinger, and I really like his mentality. Seems to be a guy that kind of fits, um, you know, with the vibe on the team. And, you know, it's been been a good thing. I, I liked him last year with the Wolves. I really like him. I like watching him play every night. All right, uh, coming up next, we will put a bow on this one and look for Princeton, Jake Scott, and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my! Wants marking into the post on Bagley, not known as a defensive player. Ball fakes him into Bloomfield Hills, drives to the basket and dunks. Oh, my goodness, someone removed the hook from the cheek of Marvin Bagley because he just got caught on a catch and release. Woo-hoo! Lowry marking into the rack for the jam. And the Jazz lead at 25-21. Dwayne Casey needs a timeout. Marvin Bagley needs a chiropractor. <laughs> Great selection tonight, Jameel. Well done. Uh, there is your play of the game brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection, LHMauto.com, driven by you. The Jazz win tonight over the Pistons, 126-111. to Postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share MarkMillerSubaru.com. 
Tell you what, our, our dude David Locke was on his game tonight. I like the fishing reference. That was so good. And it is a great, uh, exact, uh, perfect call for that because he did. He gave him that shot fake. He just made one in his face the time before, and you said, hey, that kind of looked like Nowitzki. And the next time down, he comes down, shoot, gives him the shot fake. He goes for it, and uh, easy basket. I'll tell you what, Dirk was really a pioneer, wasn't he? You can you can see a lot of Nowitzki uh, in Lowry Markkinen's game. And I, I get frustrated sometimes when people say, what, you're calling Lowry Markkinen no. Dirk Nowitzki? No, no, no. no slow, slow your roll. <laughs> so, so hold the phone. But there's no doubt that, you know, the impact that Dirk had on the game, the type of player he was, you know, it certainly has, has trickled down to the younger generation. You can see a lot of what Dirk did. In, in how Lowry plays. And we all wanted to play like certain guys. You know, oh, yeah. when I was a kid, I wanted to be Mo Cheeks. You know, as I got older, Michael Jordan kind of became the guy. Um, but, you know, you speak of it. I think there's a lot of, there's a ton of Michael Jordan in Kobe. Right? Oh, yeah. To be told. So uh, I, I think guys watch guys as they grow up and you pick up things and you imitate. And obviously that's the most, uh, what, best in form of flattery. Imitation is the best form of flattery. Well, I think a lot of people are, are wondering what impact Steph Curry, for example, is going to have on the next generation. I think we've already seen it. I mean, a guy like um, uh, Trey Young, for some reason, is the first example that pops into my mind, but I bet we can find others, of guys that probably watched Steph as they were honing their, their game in junior high and high school and come into the league. And, you know, I don't know. Steph is the best shooter we've ever seen, so I don't know if we'll see somebody anytime soon take it to the next level, but... I mean, you can see Steph's influence all over somebody like Trey Young or even somebody like Damian Lillard, who I know is only slightly younger than Steph. But you see where that evolution is going. I think Dirk had a similar impact. Obviously, Michael Jordan, your your point about Kobe Bryant, I think, is uh, is a great one. You know, I think you see guys like John Stockton probably had an impact. Carl Malone kind of begat Dirk Nowitzki in a way with his face-up jumper. Mm-hmm. You know, and I the mean, jab. and the jab and all that. Yeah, it it, it just evolves, and they take from from one another. So I can. Certainly see little Dirk there in, uh, in Lowry Markkinen. Another guy I got to see up close and personal. I got to actually watch. I've said this, I think, Bird in the Garden a couple of times. Got to see a workout. But there was one play tonight when that ball was skipped across. And I'm, I've got a perfect angle with the television here. But it was skipped from right side to opposite corner. And Lowry caught that thing. And I swear to you, just like Bird used to, he caught that thing just totally ready. And as he caught it, it was gone. He, you know, that was Bird's big thing. He get a shot off quick. Uh, Lowry got that thing off quick, and it just split the net. Uh, that was so. There's another. You know, there's probably some quite a bit of Bird Nowitzki too. So, uh, the game is. I guess my point is the game kind of. There's a lot of at this point. There's been a lot of contributions. So you take what what you relate to. Not to combine two conversations, but talking about Larry Bird. Uh, and we were talking about Lowry Markkinen being the number one guy on this team and how that kind of has to, the, to work itself out. And you talked about how uh, with Jimmer on, on your team, it reminds me of what Mike told us the other night playing on those Celtics teams where they had personalities Absolutely. and Hall of Famers and you know guys that certainly had earned their egos. But when it came right down to it, it was Bird's show. And everybody knew it and kind of fell in line because that's that's how the game works out. Yeah, and and so... Uh, great, great op- outcome tonight, I guess, more than anything for the Jazz. But Lowry Markinen was a huge reason why. Yeah, I would say so. Career, tie, career high tying 38 points. 
Career high in three-pointers made, nine. He was nine of 13, 13 of 20 from the field overall and was uh, absolutely magnificent. Uh, also, good games for the Jazz tonight. Uh, uh, Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt, 18 points, 13 rebounds, six assists for him, even a couple of threes, two of four from three, seven of 13 from the field. Jordan Clarkson, 21 points tonight, seven of 15 shooting, three of seven from three. Walker Kessler, one rebound short of a double-double, 10 points, 9 boards tonight. He also had a couple of blocks. Malik Beasley with 17 points coming in off the bench. For Detroit, they got 30 from Jaden Ivey, 10 of 14, 2 of 2 from 3, 8 of 11 from the line. He was very good tonight, 5 assists for him. Uh, 15 points for Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, 15 points for Jalen Duran, and uh, then a couple guys with 10 coming off uh, the bench, including Alec Burks, the former Jazz man, in 17 minutes, 3 of 5 shooting, 1 of 3 from 3, 10 points tonight for A.B. All right, Coach, let's get some uh, final thoughts from you on this one before we turn the page to Washington on Thursday. It's great to get a win after a couple of losses. It's good to, you know, from both the coach's perspective and the players to do it kind of the way that it's worked during the year. You didn't have to kind of go out there and squeak out or manufacture a win. It kind of went with how you have done things and, and kind of affirm that, hey, we're on the right track. Um, awesome performances across the board. Love watching you know, these guys compete. You know, I, I do believe, you know, a lot of people asked me over the last couple of days, they were up against – you know, some teams that are probably at the end of the day, you just say they're better than you are uh, when it comes to because I think that the the Cavs um, at full strength, the certainly we didn't even see the Bucks at full strength, but we saw a motivated Bucks team uh, that got the Jazz, you know, saw what what those big long teams do to teams. And tonight the Jazz were the bigger team. They were the better team and they took advantage of it. Um, they played great. He trusted each other, trusted the system, and Coach Hardy will sleep better tonight than he did last night. No, I think that's true. Although sleeping on a plane sometimes is the most fun thing in the world. but I can't do it. So maybe he's like me, and he'll just sit there and stew, and I walk up and down the aisle. Uh, Probably get cr- home. crunch through a little film. Yeah. Got to do something. Got to do something. Maybe eat the great meal on the plane that Locke was bragging we about. We had salmon tonight. and sweet potatoes. <laughs> 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 I didn't know where we got into the food thing. I, that was we one had of the some fun stuff during the years. That was one of the more bizarre uh, cro- pregame crosstalks that we've had yet. Well, so. the first dish you come up to is the croutons. It's like you're going to, <laughs> with your uncle to the Golden Corral, like you've never been there. Then right after that, they got them lima beans. They, they're terrific. <laughs> Oh, man, we want to say everybody or say thank you to everybody who uh, helps with the broadcast tonight. David Lockron Boone doing terrific work. Thanks to Mike Smith, who jumped on with us in the pregame show. Thanks to our broadcast assistants tonight. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.